Hi everyone, welcome to another discussion of War Host of Vastmark. Today we are discussing chapters seven to nine. Um, and this is the final discussion with this group. And then in a few weeks from now, I think on the September 10th, we will be hosting a live stream with Johnny Words. I think we can all stream to our channels as well. So you can see this in multiple places. Uh, today's discussion um, is yeah, like I said, chapter seven to nine. <laughs> Would you all uh, like to introduce yourself, starting with Chibi Bo? Hi, uh, well, I'm Chibi Bo, a longtime fan. And after being embarrassed in uh, their discussion yesterday about Traders Not, you know, apparently I am the super fan. And they were all, you know, a couple of times praising me. And then I'm like, please stop, 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 stop. <laughs> you know, if anybody saw that yesterday morning, I was like, no, please don't embarrass me. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, longtime reader. You know, big fan. There we go. But you can henceforth introduce yourself as a super fan of the series. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I am I, I, apparently a super fan. I am not not just just a big fan, not not a crazy fan. There are no plans to reenact misery. You know. <laughs> uh, super fans people are read these books. All right. Uh, I think, uh, well, since we're doing C's, you know, Chris is next, so. We'll go alphabetically. That is true. I never thought about that actually. Yeah, okay, I'll go next. Uh, my name is Chris Mullen. Uh, sometimes YouTubers sometimes appear on other channels discussing great books such as this one. Excellent. Uh, I'm Jared. I run a Fantasy Thinker YouTube channel and uh, hang out on page chewing and love to discuss uh, these books. And I should, again, I once again forgot to introduce myself. My name is Vasha. <laughs> I run the YouTube channel Reading by the Rainy Mountain. So these chapters were interesting. We started with Dakar uh, execute, executing some great heroics. What did you all think <laughs> of that? <laughs> yeah, quite a turnaround for his character to really mm -hmm. come into his own in this chapter. Actually, it's a big, long section on how he comes around to being basically being Arathon's man by yeah. trying to save him from the effects of the uh, was that TNL? TNL. Yeah. yeah. And uh the drug that Arathon used again to try and uh you know <laughs> prophecy the future. And uh so that was uh that was that was interesting to see Dakar's whole turnaround and his mm. his uh his plight and his look into the into the past through i think it was through arathon's eyes right um yeah when he established yeah. the yeah connection and managed yep. to get in there and you know then he took all of um arathon's you know memories you know that were yeah yeah causing the guilt and so and then he's like yeah no I, i'm taking these you can't have them and <laughs> for that brief you know period arathon got his you know um mage talents back yeah, that was a powerful section there uh, that um, where it says where Dakar shared the fell massacre at Talcorn, uh, not as retelling describe it, nor hmm. even in the history re-rendered by art to the majestic tragedy of Halloran's Halloran's ballad, but instead firsthand. So hmm. he was really pointing out all the differences that history has portrayed things and how it 
relates to his actual experience of being there. And that was, I thought that was a very powerful section. I really liked mm. how uh, that came together. I had, uh, yeah. I had Chibi pose words in my ears for the, these last three chapters where he'd said, by the end of these three chapters, Dakar will probably be your favorite character in the book. Yeah. And after every little section, I was like, mm. yeah, not quite. Not quite, not quite. And then, like, literally, but a couple of pieces for the end, I was like, all right, okay, you got me. <laughs> you won us over. And so these two together, which were originally meant to be published as one book, Ships of Meteor and Warhost of Vastmark, in some ways, they are Dakar's book, right? They start with a mishap, uh, like something that he messes up, and we come full circle with him trying to save Arathon's life and uh, I think there was some reference to that too about um, how yeah how this was hard for him to heal when he takes that arrow in the end uh, but yeah I thought mostly it felt like Dakar's book and that just went beautifully yeah his 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 arc across you know this book is you know or these two books is fantastic mm-hmm mm-hmm Love the symmetry of at the start he falls through the air in one way, mm. and at the end of the book he falls through the air in another way. You know, <laughs> one one in kind of drunken stupor and, and at the end in heroism. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? I was terrified for Dakar and Arathon to a certain extent when he was taking over Arathon's memories. I didn't register that. Uh, until like well into the scene that it's a temporary taking of memories and I was worried that one the weight of the guilt what it would do to Dakar and if he holds on to it as long as Arathon had to and then also if you did really take away those memories from Arathon what kind of person would he now be would he then more freely make decisions to make large-scale what wage war back on Lyser would he would those decisions come more easily to him so I was worried that he was setting Arathon up for some bad decisions in the future but uh, that didn't happen it was temporary so that was fine but that was an interesting path to go down as well to think about what that might mean yeah well well to, to be fair it was a, it was a it was a temporary session of him but I, I don't think it would necessarily be a temporary impact mm. like even if he doesn't no longer has the first hand accounts of him, you know, he made those memories part of himself and he yeah. is, you know, uh, as slacking about it as he is, he's also, you know, a extensively trained, you know, initiate, you know, uh, by a Asandir. So, you know, it's mm. like, yeah, I, I, I didn't keep them, so, but I still remember them and how it affected me to have them. So. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That that is pretty close to the real thing, I suppose. Yeah. Wasn't it sort of an? I thought I read this, but now that I'm I'm thinking back, maybe I didn't. Arathon actually set this up himself by having the joining early earlier on this book, wasn't it? Yeah, that he had kind of opened up the door for this to be a possibility. I think it was Dakar said something along the lines, "Oh, he's got me again." He he, he kind of initiated that this could be a possibility by the joining of her. Of our, of our thoughts and brains uh, before mm. in order to save him. It, almost like he'd, he'd knew Dakar would come in and find him going through the trances and going through the possibilities and all of that kind of 
mm. um, forecasting it was done. Although I may have misread that part. Hmm. I don't know. I think I think the car wonders if it wasn't something he set up. No, because nah. he's still yeah. clinging at that point to his, you know, you know, he's an yeah. uns- a lot more uncertain, but he's still like, you know, is this all still a ploy? Ploy, yeah. Well, yeah, because Arathon still has plans upon plans. Yeah. And um, like the, his plan, one of his plans was to use the uh, frighten the enemy prisoners uh, so bad that they would bring word back and, uh, you know, kind of try to force, let's say, his army back in that manner. Um, it, and that ended up not working. Mm. Uh, so, you know, due to, due to uh, that evil uh Deegan character oh. um <laughs> but uh i wonder uh so you wonder how many other plans that arathon is mm. putting into place um in order to uh try to facilitate what he uh wants to get accomplished here mm. were those plans the outcome of the augury though or do you think he had them before and was just testing out the um outcome of it during his um scrying exercise uh good question um i don't know i, I think he was he was you know did use this moment to you know with the car's interference to try and you know uh like he done with talcor and figure out the you know best way to um uh, you know, make sure that all the um, the shit, the the vast mark carters and whatnot, you know, the, you know, his allies would would survive, and you know, as he he goes, you know, and and I think you're you're right that you know, wondering if that would have affected him as to how he would affect you know think of things because he's got the burden of all that guilt taken off of him, and you see without that weighing on him would he have done, or if it had been weighing on him and he still had you know, access to talents, would he have done, planned out, you know, what he what he did there? Because Takar even notes that he just, you know, he just goes on, you know, and tramples all over any, any you know, decency or morality, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, is still not satisfied. And then it looks like, okay, so what if I do this, you know, which is even worse? <laughs> um and yeah, I thought the like gamble this... was was pretty big for mm-hmm. him yeah. to think that prison transfer thing was going to work. Um, that that uh, that was. And a... he, the car is like, no, don't do that. That is, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. But there, but there is a subversion, isn't it? And maybe it was just a subversion in my head when they were doing the scrying and the augury, and they were. You were thinking that Arathon was trying to limit life on his side, and that's really what he was trying to do. Whereas, in fact, and even when he sends the men back, we think it's he's sending them back with this first stalled warning to save their side's life, which he is ultimately trying to do. But ultimately, the bigger pain here is the loss of these 28,000 lives, as, as it gets talked on again from the enemy mm-hmm. point of view. That that loss of life is actually what he was trying to do. And when the car's talking about you know, this is the best thing for the for the thing. He's seeing the death of the twenty eight thousand, and going, yeah, yeah we got to save these twenty eight thousand lives of the enemy. 
mm-hmm. people together. And I, I sort of had this feeling through a lot of this that, that I thought I could foresee what was going to happen. And that subversion was, again, one of the things that I kind of went, oh, I, I didn't consider that that's what mm-hmm. that is what they were looking at, you know, rather than because we thought it was very allegory to get Talcoran. You know that it, that it was it was going to be the severe loss of life of the wiping out of the clans, all of that kind of stuff. That the the people that lived in the mountains, this was going to be the death of their culture. And realistically, mm-hmm. it was just like a, a, a very anti-war message. I think the whole way across of like loss of life is just terrific mm-hmm. on a grand yeah. scale and should should be uh, should be avoided. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't no. that sorry? Um, isn't that something that Arathon has been trying to do the whole time like he's suddenly trying to protect his own side but uh, for throughout he's also worried I think that's sort of woven into uh, his nature I suppose that he doesn't want the other side to lose lives either he thinks any loss of life is bad Um, and so anything he does to stop them and you know lose lives on the other side also feels like a bit of sacrifice or something that he feels guilty about for him so during this crying exercise when he uh comes up on a plan that will certainly uh win him that battle um he doesn't stop there that's when dakar notes that he's not satisfied with that answer so he's he's trying to stop the war from happening altogether so that that I thought was interesting. I felt in line with what we saw before. Yeah, it's, it's you know uh, an extension of what he did at the end of you know um, of ships or the first half. If you're reading the whole thing, um, you know mm-hmm. where he's just like you know he would said it. He's like I'm, I'm seeking to turn his war, you know war host yeah. to keep them from ever launching it there. So he you know goes and wrecks all their ships while they're not you know yeah. loaded and you know. This, this is kind of the same thing. He's like, except, you know, he's just like, yeah, I, I, I did this. So, you know, maybe think about what could have, how much worse it could have been if I had, you know, done this while they were all, you know, all your men were loaded up on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of loss of life, I think it's an interesting contrast that Lysia realizes that he's killed a lot more people going after Arathon than his father ever did in going mm-hmm. after the pirate Arathon and you know before they got here mm-hmm. and uh that was a neat uh, interesting little point that was uh brought up and uh and then later on he even says um that he would uh yeah he would raise the inspiration to fire men to offer themselves in sacrifice mm-hmm. to uh go after him and uh, that's just um, the contrast between those these two characters. Yeah, where he, you know, I think he yeah. uh, after Branzian storms mm-hmm. out on him, storms out uh, on him. Yeah, and the one dude's like, you know, you know, or at some point after that, where he's like, yeah, if I had the numbers, I would spend it all over again. And I'm like, wow, dude, you have <laughs> no self awareness. Yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the war, what he feels, you know. Uh, we haven't seen Arathon's state of mind yet. We have, we see him be happy that the war host is finally turning back, but we haven't had a chance to maybe see him deal with what we think. Well, at least I thought that he'll feel guilty about the twenty-eight thousand lives lost. Um, that that will hurt him somehow. But with Lysa, it's um, 
he feels shame and he's worried about his legacy of how people will remember the defeat and not even a little bit about the loss of life. Yes. In fact, he goes so far as says every life is worth it. You know, there, there is no end to the amount of lives that he would sacrifice in order to mm. snuff out the threat of the Shadow Master or otherwise. Yeah. But yeah. on the other side of it as well, in killing the 28,000, like Arathon also kind of gives justification to Lysir in some ways because, yeah. like, the headlines <laughs> in the papers the next day, so to speak, will say <laughs> that the Shadow Master kills 28,000 or mm. killed the 500 in very barbaric sense. So, like, I, I think Arathon's very aware of all that as well to say, look, but this is this is just what needs to happen because his, mm-hmm. he, again, if for no other reason, then he's got the this oath to stay alive. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, you know, just the the big impact of things, and you just see these people who are just, you know, as we've seen, they're just completely taken in by Lazarus' charisma. So they see this horrific defeat, and then they're just like, "Yep, he must be right." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is a very complex no win situation it's it's like what do you do you know it's it's a very uh it, it brings up a lot of uh uh what's the word i'm looking for like uh it's not black and white you know mm-hmm. no matter what he does is the outcome is not ideal to a simple solution mm-hmm. and uh i love how that's done <laughs> What was Arathon's just justification again for not just leaving before, uh, not escaping, maybe making it known that he's escaping so that they chase him on the ocean and instead uh, making a stand here at Vastmark? I, I was trying to remember that because this, the numbers here feel immense and was there, I, I know we had a discussion in the book about was there anything else he could have done? To stop this, uh, maybe he was just buying himself a great deal of time. If the war host is broken up or completely destroyed, then he'd have several years like he was happy about having at the end. Yeah, he he was aiming, you know, you know like to delay them as much as possible. That's what he did with the, the multiple ransoms. You know, like, yeah, I stole the first one. You know, oh, you, you you sent a bunch of gems. Now I asked for gold, you know, coin and, you know, whatnot. Anything that he can do to delay them um, mm-hmm. and force the turn of weather to make them break up and have to go home, mm-hmm. um, which unfortunately failed. Um, and there were so many of them already on the move and into, you know, territories that um, if he didn't engage them and he just snuck off, they would just plow through and, you know, not just the vast mark, but every other place that they were, you know, moving through and shand and whatnot would, you know, just get, you know, an army that size would just strip everything and all the people would, civilians and whatnot would, you know, suffer because they wouldn't have anything to eat. Mm. Yeah. That's what's me on. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, he, he was on. He was on the promise to the people that, that live in the mountains as well, as part of their their thing that he that he would try and make sure nothing bad happened to them. And at a certain point, the only way that he could do that, especially if he had a defensible position, which he did have in in this mm-hmm. in this story, you know, he's been yeah. running for years at this stage, and he's still being chased. At a certain mm-hmm. point, you've got to take your stand and mm-hmm. make your fight, and a combination of events probably just led to the fact that it has to be here. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so just gotta gotta break it here. Yeah. Mm. And not not a, you know, sort of, uh, um, 
and just completely break it. Not not a you know victory ostensibly as Lazare got with Talcor, and you know it's just no, nope, got to break it. You know, mm. absolutely. And um, what's it? Oh, uh, Moriel. Oh yes, yes. Uh, this tiny I... chapter, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they got the waystone, and <laughs> like, all right. Time now she's you. like, "Okay, this guy's got to die." That's what she mm-hmm. says, basically. <laughs> Sends well, out the. I, I I did think it was interesting before she decided to, you know, um, you know, it, was a, it kind of outlines too. Just uh, it's like she's she's the prime, you know, it's the successor, you know, um, designated successor, you know, at this time. You know, um, and but when she's talking about, you know, it's like, okay, I gotta, you know, iron out all the kinks in her character and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And it, it's really just like, wow, Lorinda's just being victimized here, you know, like her free will and, you know, personality just being trampled all over because, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, these things that she's gonna make mistakes, but. Uh, Muriel specifically notes that it's like, okay, you know, it's like she's going to make this mistake here. Now, here's, you know, what I, lesson I need to enforce, and I'm going to use spell seals to uh, alter her personality and stamp out, you know, that defect. And I'm like, <laughs> so you're just going to trample all over, you know, her personality and mold her into what, copy of you? I, I don't know, but <laughs> I just I, I I I read that scene a couple of times before she goes into the, you know, the scrying to you yeah. know address the, you know, who, issue with Arathon and who needs free will? We don't have to. <laughs> and I just looked at it like, wow, okay. <laughs> you know, whenever I, I I see her do something and I'm like, you know, and then I, I see something else and I'm like, man, I really don't like you. <laughs> but isn't but, the, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was uh, just going to say that is the the fallacy of succession. Even the TV show is kind of like, you know, when you look to see who's going to take over for you and do the good job that you've got, nobody seems suitable, you know, because mm-hmm. they're not a carbon copy of who you are. And yeah. then because she has, unfortunately, the power of foresight in this case as well, she kind of nearly feels like it's her opinion's been backed up now. You know, mm-hmm. she's, she's got reason to do these very bad things coming ahead. Yeah. it. I kind of assume that she's working off of a template for what characteristics need for what a uh, prime needs to have to lead i didn't i didn't read it as her molding lorenda to be like her if she's like her then it's incidental that it, it it needs to be what a leader of the order needs to have like whatever characteristics perhaps that's how i read it i could be wrong but also what does it say about the order that you need to break someone on such a deep level to then make them eligible to lead <laughs> um that's a good question i i did wonder too um you know it's because she immediately jumps to it's like you know she 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 um does that scrying and sees you know that that scene and then she sees what's going to happen you know something that may happen later um you know, uh, that involves her dying. And mm-hmm. I, I did kind of wonder if, you know, if uh, Lorinda, um, 
you know, it's like she she draws a lot of conclusions from that, you know, scene of, you know, of her death. She's like, you know, she would meet her death and, you know, there'd be no successor and everything. I'm like, but, you know, you just saw your death. How do you know? Um, and so I, I, but I did wonder if, if she saw her death and um, knew that, you know, the secession, you know, would, you know, there'd be a new prime in her place, you know. Um, would she care as much, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not she she dies? She's like, yeah, there's a new prime. I don't care. I'm old. I'm done. Because if you've dug up, um, you know, actually, now I think about it, I think I'll have to find that one. Um, if you dug up one of the other videos, I think uh, Jenny's mentioned at one point uh, when uh, Muriel was born and she's, you know, like 1400 or something years old at this point. And, you know, we, we've seen enough hints that however the Koryani keep alive, it's not exactly the most pleasant of, you know, uh, she's alive, but it's not very pleasant. Mm-hmm. I also read that from Moriel's side that some of what she was doing and the decisions she was making were out of personal fear. You know, at a certain stage, you know, being yeah. seeing your own death or seeing your own mortality changes your decision making process if you know what i mean it changes what mm-hmm. what needs to happen you know yeah. there's a it's certainly tinged with that and the kind of coming from a selfish point of view she was making decisions that that arathon was a threat and had to die which to be fair you know she has had this sort of warning through Laura and stuff as well you know it's not like the first time it's come up come across but that the very strong shift of right this is what's definitely going to happen at this point when when she's faced actually with consequences for herself mm. Yeah, she's worried about her legacy, right? That um, she she'll be the first prime ever to not have a successor to take over immediately, and yeah. that's also why she's feeling the need to mold Lirenda so much because she doesn't have time to train another one. Yeah, as, as um, I don't remember if it's I have to look at um. But there's been at least two before Lorinda. Mm, yeah, there's been a couple like Because she says after the death of the first, um, <laughs> you know, which to me implies that you know there 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 had been others. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing what we know about why the fellowship needs Arathon to stay alive. <laughs> It feels like such a short-term goal that uh, that the prime is chasing. Uh, that you know her legacy needs to be. Like I, I still don't fully know what the role of the order is in this world, right? And how essential they are to the functioning of it. But we know as readers that Arathon's necessary for the continued existence of the planet, or at least with humanity and maybe not humanity so much, but for the Paravians to return ever. Uh, and mm-hmm. so keep the balance. We know how important he is. So it feels like a short-term goal that she's chasing. And that a little bit is also what Diegan was doing with his um, need to get revenge for his sister. So, yeah, it, it feels like some conflict between small-term goals and like long-term need to keep everything good goals 
between all these various parties. And I wonder how much, because um, the, the the fellowship ended up giving the stone to the to the mm -hmm. sisterhood. So, um, would they not have like had the foresight to see that something more would have came out of them being able to use a bit more powerful magic than uh, what they've been able to do so far? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, they don't seem to be too worried. Like, it feels like, you know, the Koreani are just some flies they have to deal with occasionally, the way the Fellowship think about them. It doesn't feel like they need to plan around them, at least so far. So maybe they didn't think that any of their meddling might succeed. Yeah, because he certainly showed up very quick when Dakar mm -hmm. got hit yeah. with that arrow. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, you know, so I, I'm wondering how much, you know, how much is that a mistake that they missed that or mm. were they yeah. depending on something like that to get their goals done to, to um, you know, the whole situation to get Dakar um, a little more involved mm. in what was going on. And I wonder how much that all plays into it, you know. Yeah. I think the fellowship have done, and you can actually see it through exactly what you were talking about, like Asandir and Sethir got the warning sign, for instance, but didn't intervene. And they do the very minimum involvement in, in the world, you yeah, know. They're because, very, yeah, they're very hands off. Yeah, very, very choosy much, too. Yeah, yeah, very choosy. So to this stage, I mean, even without some slight involvement from the fellowship, the Koreani would have wiped themselves out, as it turned out. <laughs> you know, even in this book, the uh, but for wasn't Sethir had made made the. Uh, the intervention with with them beforehand when the a couple of chapters beforehand um yeah. so at the moment at the moment the koreani kind of are, are I, I i feel like there's a lust for power within them and that they want to be relevant that they want the waystone uh to give them back what they would say the former glory and to be able to use and affect the world in a more in a more dynamic way than, mm. than they have been able to do yeah. so far i'm trying to think of uh Things I can say here, and how much I, uh, <laughs> if some of it comes up, you know, um, later. I don't think this does, but, um, uh, and this this would probably potentially exit pre pre predate more Muriel, but, um, I I can say you know as we know uh, humankind arrived third age year one. Mm -hmm. um, you know that was the start of the third age. Start of third age, um, right, yeah. And then they they you know treated you know you, you know with the with the Pravians and the whole High Kings you know and all of that was was set up then. Um, we still don't know uh, you know a lot there, but we know we do know that much by by now, I believe. Um, if I if I spoiled something that's about to be told to you in a later book, I'm sorry, but. I'm pretty sure. They, you know, I'd have forgotten it by the time I read it again. I'd be like, I knew that all along. I, I was, I was, but, it's as likely to come from you as it was from the pages, you know, somewhere along the past. Uh, you know? One, one, one group that did not get a seat at the discussions and negotiations about the terms for under which humanity is allowed to abide on Athera were the Corian. So they got no voice in, you know, any of that. Um, and 
you know, so there's a whole bunch of restrictions, you know, per, uh, you know, the compact in town, you know, hiking law that, you know, hem them in and they had no say in it. So there's probably some bitterness towards, the, you know, from the Coriani towards others. But um, some of, some of uh, what Jared asked about, uh, Fugitive Prince, your, your questions, you know, and musings will be answered. <laughs> oh, I got to wait. Oh, I'm not sure. <laughs> but, it, but it is good because I feel yeah. like, you know, I was reading along going, we need a Coriani chapter here. This, this is a, a faction that feels significant but we the only they always get the third section mm. <laughs> they always get the third section nice. in the chapter uh they always get the last they get this the smallest chunk the 10 pages the 12 pages <laughs> a lot of the times that that are in there that might yeah. not always be true but it certainly they, feels like that yes they they will feature quite prominently throughout the next arc yeah mm. Yeah, yeah, she's not gonna give up after that one arrow failed, right? Uh, she has oh, yeah. a lot to lose. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say something. Yeah, you said bitterness, right? Yeah, that that's exactly what it read like. Like uh, the Koreani are bitter about uh, with the fellowship because they're not looped into the decision making. But as the fellowship are just like, eh, the kids are at it again. <laughs> that's how <laughs> it feels. <laughs> the way they deal with the Koreani. So, yeah. Um, well, that kid almost took out the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, the you know, when Arathon tells Takar that Asandir uh, they didn't want to intervene until Takar completed his assignment, so to speak, mm -hmm. I almost read it as the assignment was to take the arrow on Arathon's behalf. I, I don't think that that's what it was, but uh, was it to? become friendly with Arathon or like realize about uh, Arathon, do you think? Or um, I think it was more let me uh, uh, Maybe when Dukar awakens you will send him from court on a traveling allowance I'll leave for his reassignment. Tell him his task is to keep Prince Arathon of uh, Rathane from getting murdered by Atara's new division of field troops. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. It wasn't specifically, you know, the arrow, but you know, his task was keep Arathon from getting murdered. So, okay. <laughs> okay. But uh, the implication is that Asand... in front of it. Yeah. Mm. The implication yeah. is that Asandir knew it was an arrow coming and mm. that he was gonna have to jump in front of it and that he would rise to the occasion through all of the, the ups and downs that their relationship has had. Yeah, but Deca also did a lot of stuff before that yeah. to uh mm. to help him out and try to stop yeah um them getting together like try to stop arathon from getting too close to lysayer as well because he did a he did a lot of his own like shadow Im mm. illusion type magic um to uh you know really trip up the army of lysayer and like some very strange and some amusing ways you know yeah i love the uh the finest rendition of Dagoran's oh, chariot yeah. roared into the arc of the sky. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're all like, ah, you know. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that he used Arathon's uh, resemblance for the uh, charioteer, who I suppose is Dacaron. And I was wondering if in the last pages of this book, we saw the 
birth of the religion of the light or the cult of the light that was uh, referred to in the mm. prologue and also the one of the well all the all of the horrors did uh, make Arathon's reputation but also is it tying it all with the more um, what what do you want to call it? the religious aspects of the world like uh, Arathon's face as Dakaron um, now causing an even greater fear the people who take back that story might m- create an even bigger fear of Arathon so I thought that was interesting yeah, was it his face imposed on the on the chariot? Uh, yeah, I think it's good. like not by coincidence. It bore a resemblance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not exactly, but yeah, he made it in the form of Arathon, yeah. I think. Because I know that like Ath is the creator, right? Mm-hmm. Is is Dacaron kind of like the the almost like the devil figure in this world? It's like, is yeah. That, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't necessarily. It, devil no. figure but more like a you know punisher wrongdoings mm. okay okay is so are there more judgment mm-hmm. um you know are there more beings that that this world swears to besides ath and dacaron are there, is there others there's also dalian fate master uh, yeah. oh that's right yeah, yeah. yeah. okay yeah all right mm-hmm. all right so there's a little the only mm-hmm. three i can think of yeah. There's a little little yeah. tiny pantheon going mm-hmm. on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and oh Lysad apparently wants to wipe that out, right? Towards the end of the book. that Or mm. wants to make them less relevant. Um, I was going to say something. Oh, so um, you know how when someone is about to die or like hopes that they don't die, they say uh, something about uh, passing under the wheel or something to that effect? Yes. I always thought it was an abstract concept. But, uh, you know, the wheel is just something that turns and causes the dying of people. But then there was an image, I don't remember where, but you're basically being crushed by Dacaron's chariot. That's that's what going under the wheel means. I think there was something to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. At least. I think it has multiple. Mm, Yeah. Because um, uh, back during the the scene with um, Jillieth, Mm. the little girl. Um, Dakar, I believe it is, you know, um, uh, remarks about seeing her, you know, you know, pass, you know, beyond mm. the veil, you know, under the wheel or whatever, and pass beyond the wheel. So, so different interpretations. Okay. Yeah, I guess it could just yeah. be a. Very there was one reference that was actually a chariot crush thing. Um, I I forget where I read that though, but um. But it's a nice metaphor, isn't it, for how inconsequential an individual is? Mm. Is that actually at the end of time you'd be crushed on the chart and you'll become like dirt, like everything else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sort of, sort of like that, that idea. Um, uh, da, da, da. I think I think one of the most interesting things that I look when we're talking about the whole book as a whole is actually Arthur's opinion of Dakar. Mm. As as the book goes along, because even at the, at the very end, when when he actually Dakar's actually given free will and free choice, mm. and you know Arthon doesn't even get involved in the decision and only gives his pronouncement at the very end of it, you know that he'd be a fool if mm. he did for a man who's saved his life so many times and shown that he's been so loyal to not want him in his 
in his camp, so to speak. Uh, yeah. But when you think of all the other times that he's kind of like just been drunk and he's just kind of throwing them on the back of the the, uh, <laughs> the cart or whatever yeah. it is, you know, where he's he's very much in the you know you you make your choice to stand with me and the car is you know doing it instead of just being a you know worthless lump mm. that he has to deal with. He's like, oh god, I have to drag him along on the horse again. <laughs> yeah. But contrast that with Lysir, who is very much about manipulating people to the point of telling them, you know, that as the Sabriden brothers kind of came to, he, he told us what we wanted to hear to gain vengeance, you know, for this for this thing. He, they feel like they were told a pack of lies, which people don't, gen, you know, people say, or especially to Corbett said, but often that he manipulates people with half-truths. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sabriden brothers are very much, this was a lie. You know, or the, the the pretense of what we're told was a lie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, <laughs> I liked when uh, I forget which brother, but he was telling Arathon, uh He remembers everything, like every childhood slight that uh, was ever dealt him and his family by Svalin. That again, like I, I keep looking for evidence of like what's Lysair and what's the mystery this feels like you know significantly Lysair um mm. that he'd remember and want vengeance for it like even without the maybe he was learning to be a better person when we saw him at the beginning of Curse of the Mystery but he devolved to reuse all of that information to yeah but want to hurt how... Arathon instead yeah, how much like how, when Lysaia sensed his presence, when he sensed Arathon's presence, um, how much of that reaction was him remembering past, or mm. how much was the mystery? Because the reaction was so primal, he mm. was like, like a scream, like a primal scream. It was very, very like over the top and and uh, you know mm. vicious, uh, violent reaction. And um, so, how much of the mystery? plays into that part of it you think because mm. whenever he's not near Arathon he's trying to be calculating and you know and, and reasonable mm. um you know in his own messed up way but uh and then all of a sudden he, he loses it when he senses the presence you know yeah I think Arathon did too right uh in at the end of ships ships yeah it's in the yeah. ships yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he was fighting with it in this one too when he dropped the mm-hmm. shadows of the veil um, yeah, and, and then, yeah, but he was further away, so he didn't like completely. Um, and he had the car helping him too, so he didn't like lose yeah. his mind. Well, Arathon wanted to get involved, and yeah. Dakar was telling him, No, you stay back, stay back. It's mm-hmm. like, God, it's like, Yeah, so here's a blindfold, like, you can't see his light. You, you know, mm-hmm. I think he um, also had his hands tied too, mm-hmm. as well. I don't remember, but um. And just, but he was like, "Yeah, stay still." And mm-hmm. uh, um, I like but... that little head-to-head between the two of them using their sorcery as well. You know that the one cast and then the other cast, and then you know Lysir's realization that he's he's outmatched, or certainly in his in his opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that there there was some strategy there where they're like, you know, instead of just firing off blasts, you know, mm-hmm. he, you know initially is trying to just give enough light for his you know troops to move and then Arathon's like lol no <laughs> um nope and uh bursts it out it just drowns it out completely and then 
uh, that was followed by, you know, him, you know, Lazare, like losing his temper. He's like, okay, I'm just going to burn all of this off, uh, which led to the, it's like, yeah, nope, here comes the mountain. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I, I, I like how you versus What was it? Like uh, 20,000 dead. <laughs> what, was it, what was it I said with the last one? Rocks fall, everyone dies. Sorry, what's that? So, what was it I said last time? Rocks fall, everyone, Rocks dies. Fall, everyone dies. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. See, we remember nothing. Basically, tell us everything that happens in the next book. We'll be like, did you? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but since we're talking about Lazare, yeah, no. So, uh, I don't know if my pages are the same in this book. Well, no, they're probably not. But, mm-hmm. you know, when Asandir's like, yeah, you know, here we're about, you know, carrying, you know, about a. Um, uh, you know, an- another ransom, and Alcindir is like, you know, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, you're you're not doing any anyone any good by you know fostering these misapprehensions, and Lazar is just like, whatever. There, you know, as long as he's a fr- he he's free to do whatever, then you know, um, yeah, I'm going but, after him. Then <laughs> you know. I, I am perfectly right to, you know, you know, have everybody be afraid of sor- stir up fears of sorcery because, you know, you know, Erethan is free. And, you know, just again, we come to, you know, it's like he, he he's taken the hit in his pride because he's been defeated, you know, unequivocally, but it's not his fault. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. Erethan's obviously so evil that he had to bring this army here. And he had to, you know, you know, march them into this fail, you know, because Aerithin was such a great threat. And, you know, none of this is his fault. Yeah. You know, Aerithin just led him into a trap. <laughs> um, but what he decides to do, and you just watch him after, you know, Asandir leaves and he's just, uh, um, it was like the fellowship have stood, you know, for Aerithin twice now. And he's just like resenting this, you know, all sulking and angry because, you know, he's like, everyone's against me. And now I'm now I must, you know, uh, set myself up as how does he put it? Uh, More than prince, greater than king in a um, uh, faith beyond mortal limits. He would labor all his days to become the example of a higher truth. Uh, when the hour arrived and the Master of Shadow was at last brought down, Lysayer resolved to leave something brighter, more enduring than a history of war to reward the faith of his followers. You know, the faith mm-hmm. of his followers. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, his his work would bequeath the five kingdoms a benefit beyond the cost of Arathun's death and bestow upon it Athera, a structure of permanent protection that lost all creeds and boundaries. Um, and then he starts, you know, I think there's a mention in here somewhere where he starts, uh, he'd been walking around just kind of, you know, uh, haloing, you know, putting a halo up around himself and, you know, walking amongst the people and, you know, uh, as they packed up and everything. And mm. So I'm like, yeah, his response to, to loss, you know, to getting beat, 
I'm gonna you know start a holy war. Yeah, mm-hmm. literally a swollen head with the halo and everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The he's he seemed extremely unprepared for the terrain. It I guess it speaks a little bit to his um to the what levels of his obsession that he that isn't that a very um i want to say basic thing you do go scout the terrain and figure out how you will fight your war and then instead he just brought everyone there and uh doesn't the duke spridian tell him off that you know he just defeated you with tactics it wasn't um illusion or sorcery um yeah yeah. that's um Leaders have been making that mistake in real history for thousands of years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like here and Deegan, you've got to remember their their Pesquil, their top uh, military mind is dead. Mm. You know, there yeah. was a reason yeah. that he had to, had to at this stage and Google Earth wasn't working that day. So um, <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 could, they couldn't do it. Like Lysir is very novice in these kind of regards. Mm. And there is sort of hubris, hubris in him that he had 40,000 men. So therefore it didn't matter what was going to yeah. happen. They were going to crush him. Mm. Yeah. 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 And that, and like, you know, uh, you know, all the, the mountain coming down and, you know, all the, close by people were just taken in by you know Lazarus charisma in the aftermath because like mm-hmm. the you know with the Branzium scene where the captain you know is like you know one of his mercenary captains is now uh uh he's like you were not here for the murder of twenty eight thousand nor did you see your own seasoned troops undone by illusion and sorcery the Prince of the West sees a danger in the Shadow Master that runs beyond blood ties or kingdoms. His gift of light has promised to guard us. Any troop riding against this enemy without protection is begging a foolhardy end. And Branzian's like, uh, Sithair, you speak of the rock slide that mauled deer Kenton Vale. Um, the Tony spikes of Branzian's mustache lifted into a sneer. Everyone knows this countryside's unstable. Your Prince Wars war host died of plain tactics. Any cornered fugitive, fugitive would have chosen faulty ground to save his skin when a massive arm might fit to flatten the whole kingdom came trampling in to seek his death. Yeah, I like I like that whole turnaround of the Duke and yeah, how he at first wanted to go at the Arathon himself, yeah. and mm. then finally he ends up beating up with him and kind of making a pact <laughs> with him at the end. And, yeah, I love uh, that. <laughs> That was uh, that was very well done because it was just mm-hmm. so, you know, it seemed like a natural progression that mm-hmm. th- that would happen based upon the events that happened in the Vale, and uh, I, I really like how that came about. I'm, I'm interested because that was like near the end where he makes the pact mm-hmm. with him, uh, uh, and so yeah, I'm very, very interested. Last, very, last yeah, I'm very interested to see where that goes in the future, mm-hmm. and uh, and I love the uh, the line in here about Lysaia's defeat. And it says, beyond life, the mock of ignominy would endure, indelibly set in third age history. Mm. So that was like yeah. a direct reference to the current age they're in. Mm. And how this um, this was a bad a bad mark for Lysaia. Mm. Um, and I wonder how that's going to play into the future as well. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that's that's set up for the future novels that I really was like, okay, you know, stuff that I want to be on the lookout oh, yeah. for. And, yeah. Uh, with the, the one passage I just read, we see, see a little hint of it there, you yeah. know, where, where the townsfolk are like, Oh no, this, this was sorcery and 
you know, uh, trickery and illusion. And this guy is a major threat. And he's just been completely taken in by, you know, Lazare's, you know, script of events. And as we mentioned, it's like, Arthur won, but what is the cost both, you know, mm-hmm. like in, you know, publicly and personally? Yeah. yeah. But the, oh, but, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. So the, the truce that they formed was very typical Arathon, wasn't it? Insofar as he was going to get uh, Lysia to pay for the ransom, but <laughs> give half of it back to the Sobriden brothers. <laughs> anyway, you know, and very much, you know, we, we'll, we'll be your ally forever. And he's like, I don't even want it. Mm. But yet people, that's the effect that Arathon has on people. That's the kind yeah, of thing that they like. Yeah, we don't care. We're, we're your ally. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> the plans that Lyser makes uh, towards the end about uh, when he recognizes his mistake that he's been bringing battles to Arathon's chosen ground and he decides instead, no, I'm just going to stay put and form an alliance. It almost feels like hope that this will be over, right? Because Arathon's probably never going to bring battle to Lyser. But then he says something later on about building another war host, but this time um group together under the banner of like the lord of light and uh yeah i'm curious how that will go because it it felt like a mix of both things you're building a war host but to what and are you expecting that yeah he probably does expect arathon to bring war to him but arathon won't will we find that he has reason to later on in the books so that's interesting um I, I think it's more of a, a short term and a long versus long term too. Mm. You know, um, he he he's tried the the short term approach. You know, basically twice now, raise a big army. You know, like super short short term with the battle of Talporin, and then you know this one still comparatively was short term. You know, raise you know a couple of years, raise a big army. You know, go go charging after you know Arathun with his big army. You know, you know. He basically, you know, sort of while while we had different results, sort of the same tactic both times. He's like, mm-hmm. I came with my big army. It worked the first time, but everything got away. And now I'm going to try it again with a bigger army. And it doesn't work. Yeah. And so he's like, okay, maybe I need to do change tactics here. And he has he has been crowned like emperor or something like that or. Um, high king or something. High king. High king. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The the townsfolk, the towns and Tizen were, you know, all pissed about the you know uh, theft of the ransoms, or theft of the ransom and all that yeah. that entire debacle that they were, uh, all unilaterally passing a thing to you know name him as high king, you know, Tizen. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So he's still going to have the resources. He's still going to have the the means and uh he's still gonna be a uh well a uh antagonist to say the least <laughs> classic arathon you know like just talking about no safe haven for for arathon the no matter where he travels they'll be my people you know they'll be doing and arathon's kind of like i'm done with this place and anyway. i'm getting on a ship i'm, I'm out of here you know the, <laughs> the very last line of, of the book goes you know he's he's kind of like in another another set of or his own agenda you know mm-hmm. he's not he's not interested in, in hunting lycere or any of those things but like varsha had said so you know mm. I, I i like the idea with the next book being fugitive prince that it could be both of them 
you know, in yeah. some in some ways. And that's kind of when I was reading the last chapter chapters, I was like, I remember reading the start going, Well, that's the next book, she did a prince. You know how mm. this book's gonna end. <laughs> but as in classic, you know, Jamie mm. style, it has double meaning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the uh the final three snippets. Mm, um, especially yeah. the Sephir one yeah. where he's like, you know, um, and these all apply for the you know fugitive prince and beyond, but you know, Sephir Recif's uh triad of Audrey's made upon winter solstice to unriddle the bearing axis, which turns you know, future threat from the mystery. The split arc of mass faith undermined uh, by a solicit from the guardianship of Ath's adepts the resurgence of Coriani interference upon recovery of their great war stone waystone and remember that one that'll be important um then at the crux point of all the life of uh, Rathane's prince and twined through his name to help him stand or bring his downfall the Coriani healer who stole possession of his heart since Mary or by the sea no Lara no Lara in the, the speak Hmm. Yeah, yeah. looks like she's she'll be uh she'll be around she'll be, in the future. She'll be around, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I almost want an Elera book like this was a Dakar book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, not 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 a spoiler since it basically implies it in there, but Elera will be uh, around quite a bit uh, for yeah. the next batch of books. So. Nice. character. One little tiny side note was um, Tharic and Janice got married. Married? Yes. After, yeah. Mm, yep. Yeah. And I was like, oh, how nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh, oh, and I love the last snippet too. That was Phelan and Arathon, right? And yes. Yeah. Some implied peace there. So that was nice. But she's heading his navy. So then sort of. Or his ship, anyway. She's taking him where he wants to go. The other favorite bit, of course, was the the very brief scene between Nassandir and Lysir, you know, mm. as, as his envoy. Yeah. And yeah. Lysir's anger towards Nassandir and Nassandir's sort of indifference towards him. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, even when he's trying to retort, he's he's already away on his horse. Like he's <laughs> gone. You know, he says yeah. his words about look at look at speak to his allies before you do it. And Lysir is very much only if they arrive in chains to me first, as in. I'm mm. not interested. Mm. Yeah, and somebody was like, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> and I also came across an interesting line about the um, the mage site that Dakar has, mm. and it was like a man who has access to mage site could pick out the blue white dance of their life energies, like tiny constellations of stars strewn among the tangled briar stems, and I, I just like that. Uh, this little insight into like how the how the mage side magic works and like the the man trained to a vision can also um could see also the haze burn of life force undone and ripped into untimely death and so that um that just seems to tie into the whole magic system and how it's all related to uh you know almost a physical type uh physics type deal you know yeah 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 we we, we got a mention of that in curse when yeah uh, halimaran is observing Arathun and the tree gets pulled down and halimaran's like oh he's a mage yeah and it's, i like how she keeps sprinkling those those viewpoints of the magic in there to keep reminding us how it's mm -hmm. all tied together and with life and with the life force of you know pretty much everything yeah yeah 
I like that. I had two things that I was hoping to get clarifications on through discussion. Uh, one was um, Dakar thinks to himself about how if he hadn't stopped the arrow, if it had gone straight to Arathon, then uh, even the fellowship wouldn't have been able to figure out that it was a Koryani uh, arrow. Is that because it would only have dispersed and left all trace of its use if it hit its target in Arathon? Or um, was there something else that I missed there? It didn't meet its target. It hit Dakar, so you could still figure out that it was a Koryani crystal. Is that how that would have worked? Um, I think it was reliant upon uh, whether the target was still alive. Mm. Um, I see. So if it hit Arathon and Arathon had died before, you know, the fellowship, you know, could intervene. Um, and it was also planted like super, you know, furtively. It was just, you know, it's like just, you know, it's like its job was, you know, make sure this arrows, you know, hit when it hits that this arrows, you know, strikes a mortal wound. Mm. And then it promptly just unravels. So you'd have, you'd only have like that, you know, brief window to pick up its presence before it just, you know, disappears. But, but Asandir did know because before Descartes told him he knew that it was Korean. Mm -hmm. so was... Yeah. It had also dispersed within Dakar, right? Because he said the only evidence was that his own eyewitness uh, knew it. So I think so. I think he. Uh, where, where does he get? Um... That'd be a good question to bring up with Janie. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was one. Yeah. And also, I guess the question is about. Um, the, it's only implied that the prime sort of did something to nudge the duke uh, more quickly towards vengeance. Uh, we we don't know how he got hold of a Koryani crystal or how that was planted in his set of arrows. Uh, or was it not a Koryani crystal, just magic? I thought it was crystals. Just, yeah, just a little bit of magic. You know. Okay. But since they use crystals, you know, he, mm. he picked up the, the car, picked up the resonance of, you know, uh, how method of how they do it okay uh, okay that makes sense cool the other thing <laughs> sorry go ahead i was gonna say i think from what when she was planning it um i think basically she did a similar number to what she did with you know tharic um when she had the Cirrus, you know give him the vision of where you know Arathon shipyard was oh, yeah. but instead mm -hmm. of having Cirrus did it she just you know poked a astonishingly vivid dream into you know Branzian's head you know while he was sleeping and you know bespelled one of his arrows mm. yeah. I see okay makes sense um so the other thing was um I think one of the clansmen if I remember correctly tells the uh Spridian brothers that uh Arathon doesn't have made sight anymore so he's not able to weave magic but he also seems to imply implied that he never even wove shadows uh no he didn't kill he didn't kill them with magic you know was that the line something like that rather than you know when they were saying oh it was around them um, the attack on the stronghold wasn't it 
-hmm. insofar yeah. as yeah and he says that that, that must have been Arathon and he says it couldn't mm -hmm. have been Arathon because he, he he's lost his ability to to, mm -hmm. to do that um yeah and that one of them also told him about his duel with Erlian uh from you know ships where you know he you know did not use his shadows at all he just fought you know sword to sword mm. yeah yeah so that that was what i was wondering about because he said he did not use shadows seeming to imply that he can't even weave shadows now because he's lost his mate sight but we know that he can so can. are they being mm -hmm. led to believe that he cannot even weave shadows but they know that he can because that was exactly you know what happened before the the mountain fell you know that the, mm, obviously yeah, the sky darkened yeah. and all that kind of stuff but yeah and and, yeah, and, and arathon also like confirms it doesn't he when he when he goes in and does this question and he basically says you know i he used his his manipulation of shadow to mm -hmm. carry out the fellowship's work yeah Sorry. yeah yeah and i may have misread that I must have missed something uh, there. No, I, I had that uh, question myself. Yeah. Uh, now you've told us a lie. We saw your spells wreck our keep. Mm -hmm. Mine touched a queer sorrow by denial. Arathon shook his dark head. But that's not possible. Jirith's companions can testify. I lost the trained use of my match talents since my abuse of grand conjury on the field of blood at Talforan. Mm. Uh, that's what your clansman did say, Brinzi, and lowered his leg to free Keldmar, then shook Parian off with a sharp backward thrust. Also, early in Scout confirmed, he told me he saw you fight nearly to a standstill and you you called down no shadows even when you thought you'd end up maimed. That doesn't sound to me like a sorcerer given over to carelessness. Um, mm. I think they were saying he's just like, yeah, he fought and he didn't call him down. But, you know, they know he you know could call him down because, you know, the okay. three of you know, Brenzian wasn't there, but the other three were on the field, you know, leading different factions when shadows got dumped all over them. You know, mm. the, you know uh, uh, cutting off oh. the groups. Why not? I see. Maybe the implication there is that he doesn't bring down shadows even when pushed to a corner. So he probably didn't misuse yeah. magic there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was um, going to use the shadows. Mm. You know, keep it deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, other interesting thing, like no more questions, is something to discuss, uh, was the, it seemed, I was under the impression that the magic uh, battle that exploded in the Spridian basement was their uh, gunpowder. And so it exploded when Arathon, uh, I don't know, did something there. But... I guess they're saying that they didn't have anything to do with that either, and someone else planted those spells. The yeah, brothers. Two, it was two of the brothers, wasn't it? It was two of the brothers. But they, they were accused. They, hmm? they had their memories erased. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah. the black powder for the the culverin. Um, Arathon didn't know what it was, so he thought it was, you know, just, you know, some spell seals, you know, something. That's and right. since they got their memories erased, they just assumed when Arathon's like, there was some kind of spell seals there, and they're like, uh, well, we don't do that. And he's like, well, maybe that's what the fellowship, Arathon's like, maybe that's what the fellowship were trying to find out. I don't know. 
I just know what happened. <laughs> did Arathon unwittingly lead them again on the path where they'd find and create those weapons again? Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was interesting. Yeah, I, I, I didn't make that connection. That. <laughs> there was also a line that um, somebody said that uh, there's, there's an old platitude that was no fable that the world's luck walked in a fellowship sorcerer's shadow. And I forget who said that, but um, I thought that was a, a great line that was in there. And they also, somebody also pointed out that um, to Dakar that he misread his own vision of that arrow. Mm -hmm. I think it was either uh, a Sander when he came to rescue him. Um, um, I think I vaguely remember that line. Um, yeah, it's in chapter nine somewhere, but um, and so I'm wondering if that had to do, you know, with with Daka jumping in front of it, if that's mm -hmm. what actually he was reading in his vision, uh, but he I, was so set on it being against Arathon, um. I was kind of curious about it that. It was Dictar actually himself thinking about it. It was uh, after the Branzian, you know, barged in on Vasayer scene, you know, so I know it's there, but uh, it was the forces from J-Lot or whatnot were still persisting, and Arathan asked him to, you know, make sure to help, you know, the, you know, groups trying to retreat out the, you know, out the back way or whatever. Um, and yeah. he, um, you know, as he's you know heading back to the campsite or whatever after that, he's just kind of exhausted and he's like, you know, not paying attention and you know misreads his own vision and walks right past the spot, you know, where uh, where it was going to happen. Okay. Oh, so it was, it was him, his own uh, stuff. That he misread his own vision. Okay. Yeah. Um, on this paperback, it's page four twenty-five. Um, I don't know. Like I said, you know, I, I did notice that the you know paperbacks are larger now, so um, <laughs> same page. But uh, by midnight, the winds drove a barbed slash of sleet. The car flexed numb toes in his waterlogged boots and shouldered head down against the blast. The cold yet more bitter rode the back of the storm, and a chill raked him through his wet clothing. The shepherd seemed inured to the discomforts of the climate. That made no sound in complaint. Dakar was aware of them only as movement, the tap of a bow against a silver-chased horn, or a soft slip step in total darkness. They relied on his mage sight to feel out the path. His senses were overstrung and tired, enough that he misread his own vision. Ah, uh, okay. When a flare of thin light glanced at the edge of his perception and his nostrils picked up what could have been a faint sheared trail or ozone, he stopped. Oh, so much in here. <laughs> it's it's yeah. You know, it's like he unreeled his awareness into howling dark until he could taste the rank density of the night. And that's such a good turn of phrase. And like yeah. taste the night. That's you know, <laughs> to just establish how mage sight is like mm. yeah. Um the flare had not he found nothing. The flare had not been lightning, flat clouds spread over the mountains in a fabric of random motion. Nowhere did he encounter the latticed energies of charged spellcraft. 
based on any easiness. He could pinpoint no reason why the blank elements should be his spread of alarm. And then he gets blundered into and he's just like, oh, I'm tired. All right, let me keep moving. Um, and then there's like winter had crept in all unnoticed while one fragment of prophecy had unfortunate, unforgivably slipped his attention. Mm. Oh. And then he, oh. You know, he resolves to be like, you know, as soon as I get this group safe, I'll go back and tell Arathon about the, you know, you know, vision and, you know, that someone's going to try to shoot him with an arrow. Ah. But then he passes out. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wakes up and then he's like, oh my God, shit, and takes <laughs> off running. Yeah. <laughs> he really put off telling Arathon for a long time. Did he think he had more time? Because I think at some point we're told that uh, the autumn came early in the mountain or things grew earlier or died earlier than Dakar thought because they were higher up in the slopes. Do you think he, he thought he had more time like in terms of number of days to tell him or um, also why did he put it off so long? It felt like by the end of the seventh chapter, he had enough to say to know that he's Arathon's friend now, but why, why would he still want that level of control on Arathon's life or death? Don't know. Maybe he was worried that uh, Arathon was going to try to do something about it. Mm. Um, okay. and that maybe maybe him tell him, you know, confirms it or something, you know, that kind of thing is, mm. is prophecy. Yeah. Does the prophecy come through because he told him or, or, or that kind of thing? Uh, I kind of it caught me on a worse because I thought that prophecy and the Coriani prophecy were setting up for books way down the line. So mm -hmm. when, when <laughs> he says the assassin and then he, he talks about, oh God, I walked past this place yesterday. I should have recognized it. And then mm -hmm. he sees, I, I love the way that was told, the kind of, the as his vision just came in the thing, if he turns his head a bit more, mm -hmm. it will be exactly the vision, you know? And that's kind mm -hmm. of like, wow, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> turns his head a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Was there anything else to discuss? What are you most excited for in the upcoming books? Well, I'm just excited for the next book. I want to get... <laughs> you know? I... Uh, uh, I am excited for the next book, and, <laughs> and especially the one after that, and then mm. the one after that, and the one after that, which is basically the entire you know next arc. Yeah. I I'm sort of excited for get more of the world because obviously, mm -hmm. like we're three books in, but as you said, it's about Dakar, um, Arathon book, you know, mm. has been very concentrated on on them, and mm -hmm. the fact that they're heading towards a place that's just been marked on a map that nobody really knows about again yeah. Google Earth not working and uh, take, <laughs> take, take the story in, in, in a direction or, or a place that the we as the reader don't really know anything about mm. yet I think that's that's the stuff that I'm most excited for yeah that's cool mm. yeah yeah that that's nice yeah. I'm excited for more Elera and mm. also I'm wondering if the place that they are traveling to um I know we got a snippet in um 
because of the mystery. But there was a unicorn and a sleeping sorcerer. I'm wondering if you'll see them next, if that's where Arathorn's mm. headed to. Yeah, very nice. I wonder. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But with that said, uh, it these books are uh, very enjoyable to take yeah. it mm-hmm. and just enjoy it as you're reading it. So there's no... Uh, I glad, I'm happy that you don't have to rush through these books mm. in order to really let it soak in and enjoy enjoy the prose and and just uh, yeah, I'm having a good time with them. Yeah. Probably good, like the journey before destination kind of thing. Like yeah. you do yeah. want to know how, how yeah it comes yeah. together and what happens, but not at the expense of mm. like not all a, the threads that that go and join it together. A, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did so, anyone else cry a lot when uh, Dakar nope. had his final change of? <laughs> I have never cried at a book. I, I, I think I've said this before. Uh, not that I'm hard. I cry at movies all the time, but not. I, I I've never been that attached to a character in a book, mm. or, or certainly in, in in that kind of way. I expect that people will die. Major characters will die in books. Like maybe mm. that's part of it, you know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't cry when he was hurt. I cried when he woke up and realized. Um, I think to some extent he mattered enough to be saved by a fellowship sorcerer i think that was sort of the realization he had like i'm it's not stated so explicitly but that feels to be his conclusion and i love that like dakar is used to thinking of himself as this useless person but isn't that isn't that the line the fact that his one noble act in life was the one thing that killed Mm. him he he got to do one noble act in life and he never got to see the value of that yeah (laughs) (laughs) and even when he he said he was going to be arthur's man he's like the arthur you know i'm still getting drunk i'm still whoring i'm still i'm not changing him as a person it's very uh yeah So the only thing keeping him from drinking in this book was because he wanted to uh, keep a close eye on Arathorn. Right? He no longer needs to do that. So I guess it's going to be back to full-on debauchery. <laughs> no, it's no longer making him sick because that's not the thing that uh, his, his drinking was cursed to a certain extent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't think we discussed that when, you know, uh, he right before Arathorn lost his mage talent again, um, you know, the last thing he did was yeah, you don't need this anymore. I don't like it, and so I'm gonna cut yeah. this, you know, you know, thing off. So you can go do whatever you want. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Which is why I wondered at the end of that chapter when he said he still wants to hold on to that aspect of control he has over Arathon, because he's no longer bound to him. One of the reasons why he didn't want to tell Arathon apart from his hatred <laughs> of him, was also that he'd be free from Asandir's um, binding. Mm. But now that's no longer a factor. Well, he he was free of the, the geas that made all his food and everything, um, you know, go sour if he left Arathon's presence for any length of mm. time. But he still had, you know, the charge from, you know, Asandir that, you know, I need you to this is your job and what I want you to do. Mm, so I see. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Cool. cool. <laughs> I think I think that's everything. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. for... <laughs> <laughs> now 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 go forth to start Fugitive Prince. <laughs> yes. Uh, my bookmark shall be transferred. 
<laughs> yeah, I do that for CDs. I, I transfer the same bookmark. Bookmark, yeah. <laughs> I have to decide if I want. Nice. Uh, the uh, font is I've tiny. been reading them on Kindle a lot, but I've got my, my you know, the ones I showed off. I've got my old paperbacks back. So I'm like, uh, do I want to read this one in the paperback? You know, and mm-hmm. which bookmark do I want to use? Because I've got bookmarks everywhere. Some of them are just like, here, the store gave me a cheap old bookmark. You know, when I bought a <laughs> store. And, and some of them are like, yeah, I found a, a little pack of bookmarks. It's like some Japanese art, you know. Mm. Yeah, so oh, nice. These are really cool. And then I have a little cloth bookmark that someone gave me as a present. Oh, with, nice. You know, little, little weights on the end, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in a hardback book right now. So. Very nice. One of those Andrea Stewart's. I like fancy bookmarks, but I'm worried I'll lose them, so I don't use them. I just collect them. <laughs> I, I've got one. I think it came in one of these books, and I'd have to see where I put it. Um, it's like, you know, when they'd have all the little bookmarks for, you know, that would have fantasy art on them, and mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's a piece of Michael Wellen's art from, uh, I think, the cover of Snow Queen. Mm. You've seen that you know, uh, yeah. sure, I'm the corner of the tree, but, you know, it's somewhere. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we do outros? <laughs> uh, Chibipo, would you like to start us off? Sure. Uh, again, I am Chibipo. I can be found on uh, my Twitter, Chibipo1, or, you know, Chibipo's library, as I call it, um, where I retweet and, you know, promote books, you know. Um, I'm also on page chewing and uh, I pop in here on YouTube, you know, in people's chats, you know, now and now and then. We still doing alphabetical or? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll, I'll go for it. That's that's the. We'll mix it up now. So, you know, <laughs> I, I went, now we'll have washing. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I will just tag the next person, I suppose. Uh, (laughs) uh, You can find me on my YouTube channel, Reading by the Rainy Mountain. The About page has direct ways to reach out if you'd like to do that. Also, I hang out a lot on the page chewing forum where we also plan these reading group discussions. If you'd like to join us there, that would be awesome. I also have a podcast you can look up that I started a couple of weeks ago called Bright Threads in the Tapestry. It's available on... uh, Apple and Google and Amazon podcast websites. I'll tag Jared. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, I'm at the Fantasy Thinker YouTube channel, and I also um, hang out on the Page Chewing forums and have a have a Page Chewing blog on there as well. Um, so you can uh, find me those there, those places. Yeah, Chris. Thank you very much, Jared. Uh, <laughs> my name is Chris Moon. You can find me on my, my YouTube channel, which is just my name. You can find me on the page chain forums where we have like numerous read-alongs started, starting, and uh, planning <laughs> in various stages uh, there. So you can get, get involved and join in there. Or you can find me on oh. X at 7 mm. o'clock shadow. <laughs> Oh yeah, and also on YouTube, I have my gigantic public you know playlist with like every you know single video related to her stuff. That so if you want them all, they're there in one place. Nice. Yeah, there's multiples of some videos though, so 
I'm like, all right, I'm putting this one on here. So you guys like yeah. all release here. I'm like, nope, they all go in here. <laughs> I try to organize them though, but uh, I don't always get around to it because organizing a playlist on YouTube is a pain, especially yeah. if it's a big one. But this is how you get world famous. <laughs> yeah. In a for longest playlist. I just wanted to, you know, to put it all in one convenient place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So many people, you know, uh, posting videos now. So. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. It's a good time to be a Wars of Light and Shadow fan. <laughs> yeah. All right. We'll see everyone on September 10th in a live stream discussion for Warhost of Vastmark. Uh, we are. I have a question yes? about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Uh, was it here? Um, uh, all right. Um, Oh, okay, I see where you said that before. Because one of the first ones you, uh, you, you, you know, in your oh. first video on the eighth, you mentioned following her. You know, I don't know, maybe your dates were off. That's all. Never mind. Because um, I thought the way I read it, you know, I thought it's like, okay, wait. I thought we were having the discussion with Jenny next week, but um, I misread that. So never mind. Mm, yeah, it's in a few weeks. Yes, tenth. Yeah, the twenty seventh yeah. here, and I was like, wait, but we're having the. You know, last three chapters, the 20th. Mm-hmm. Does that mean Jenny's on the discussion with Jenny is on the 27th? I'm confused, but mm-hmm. I understand yeah. now. So remind me. Sorry. Yeah, it's on the 10th. Um, okay, so 10th is the live stream with Johnny Words for Warhost of Vastmark and all the books before. Uh, we are starting the Fugitive Prince discussions in early October. We'll probably read three chapters at a time, but we'll discuss that a little in a little bit. And uh, meanwhile, uh, we'll probably read the gallant and host a discussion of that to satisfy our wars of light and shadow cravings until we start Fugitive <laughs> Prince. Uh, we'll see everyone on September 10th. Bye. Take care. All right. Remember, September, pre-orders for the final book. That's oh, right. Yes, yes. yes. Right. Indeed. Yes. don't know exactly when in September yet. I'm still hoping to get an answer, but uh, mm. we still know sometime in September. Keep an eye out for that. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.